This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Good. Y'all excited? All right. Well, welcome to, to week two of our series, You you asked for it. Last week, we talked about how to deal with stress. And that was, you know, for the last few years that we've done this series, that has been, that has been in the top of the, the top response of, from all the survey, surveys we've done. People want to know how to deal with the stress in their life. And so last week, we taught you about not just how to cope with stress, but really how to deal with it. God doesn't want you to cope with it. He wants you to learn to deal with it. And a lot of times, stress is caused by you know, outward things that are coming, that come at us. And, and then we take too much responsibility for those things that causes stress in our life. And so talked about that last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to it on the website. You can listen, go back and listen to that this week. I want to talk to you. Here's another topic is that the very top response was about the, the last days. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, something's up, you know, when Hollywood is making, pictures about the last days. I mean, they have like the zombie apocalypse and, uh, you know, they don't know how to, they don't know how to contextualize all this stuff. And so, man, they're just, but they, the, the world knows something's up. The, the world knows that, man, something is, is coming to a culmination. It's coming to finality. And so the world is just grasping at things and uh, how to, how to deal with it. And, and honestly, a lot of the world is just in fear over it. And so uh, what I want to do is just talk to you about the last days from the Word of God. What does the Bible say? And so there's a, you know, as with many Bible topics, there's a, there's a lot of different directions that you can go when you're talking about the last days or talking about faith or talking about healing or what, what, whatever it may be. There's a lot of different directions that you can go. And so I, I was just, actually, I had a whole different message planned for today and a whole different topic, but the Lord just, I believe, dropped it in my heart that we need to hit this today. And I don't know, it may have something to do that we're, you know, this is the, you know, looking back and remembering 9-11 and, and, you know, at that time people were thinking, especially here, man, the, you know, the world's coming to an end and, and, uh, and obviously that, that set some things in motion and I believe that it opened a door in the spiritual realm where things just begin to escalate and move faster towards the end of days. Uh, but I just wanted to hit this topic today because as a believer, as a Christian, there ought to be a particular response from us as believers. There ought to be a, a certain way that we look at things. There ought to be a certain way that we respond to things. And we shouldn't respond like the world responds. There ought to be a, a response of faith from us. And here's the deal, that most of the, most of the world is asleep. When it, spiritually, spiritually, either most people on earth are either dead spiritually or they're asleep spiritually. And Jesus, in speaking about the last days, he, said, he says, in the last days, it's going to be like it, it was in the days of Noah. And so if you go back and you look at the days of Noah and you find out a little bit about what was going on in the days of Noah, it said that people, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying. And in other words, things were just going on like they always had. I mean, life was just, I mean, people were still partying. They were still, you know, life was just moving right along. And they didn't realize that, you know, destruction 
was right there at hand. They didn't realize that, that you know, that, that all humanity, except for eight souls, were about to be wiped off the face of the planet, and they were just going along like everything is just, man, this is the way it's always going to be, even with a preacher preaching for 120 years that a flood's coming. And they were just totally oblivious. And so the day that we're living in is kind of like the same. How many know that people are just living their life and they're either dead or they're asleep? And unfortunately, most of the church is asleep. They're just oblivious. They're, uh, we don't, we're, not, we're not grasping the time that we're living in. We're not cognizant of the time that we're living in. And it's so important that we know the time that we're living in so that we can do, and I like a friend of mine, Joe Morris, who's an expert on end times. He, he talks about the fervency that when we realize that, that the finish line is, is right there just a few steps away, we ought to be more fervent. We ought to strain. We ought to strive. We ought to get more impassioned. Why? Because the finish line is right there in front of us. And we don't need to, that's not when you, if any of you watch the Olympics, I mean, man, when these guys are running that 100-yard dash or whatever, when, they, when they're a few steps from the finish line, they're straining, they're stretching, they're leaning. I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to get one little extra inch, a hundredth of a second faster than anybody else. And that's what, all, that's what when we realize that we're living in the last days, that's what it ought to produce in us. Not, that, not going to sleep, but we're, we're, we're just, we're awake, we're watchful, we're, we're vibrant, we're passionate, we're going for it. Amen. Yes. So in, in Second Timothy, the third chapter, I want to begin with this verse. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul, writing to Timothy, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. But know this, this, this word know. This word no is not just a it's not just a knowledge we have. And it's not just something that, okay, I, I know that. No, it, it's a command that we know and we respond to the time that we're living in. So when he said, I want you to know something, it's not just kind of a, a take it or leave it or a lazy attitude for it. He said, You need to understand this. You need to know this. That in the last days, and the word last, it means, it would be like, in the Greek, it's carrying the connotation of last being like the, the last month of the year, or the, the last day of the week, or the last hour of the day. In other words, you, we're coming up to the finish line. It's not just the last days, it is the last of the last days. He says, I want you to know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. The word perilous means dangerous, hazardous, difficult, unstable, threatening. Times will come. And then Paul goes on to list some characteristics of these last days. I'm not going to go into detail in reading that. You can read it on your own from, you know, chapter, I mean, verse 2 on through. But he said, he said I want you to know this, that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Dangerous times, hazardous times. Are going to come. And so if, if we're just a little bit awake, you, you realize that, hey, we, we just may be in the last days. Now, there's one thing I know for certain. It's later than it's all, ever been. It's later than it was yesterday, right? 
we're closer to the end than we've ever been, ever been. And so we ought to live as the church, as followers of Christ, we ought to live like we are the final generation. We ought to live with the passion and the fervency that it's up to us to get the message out. It is up to us that we are the, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. You see, every generation is responsible for that generation of souls on the earth. We're responsible. And so perilous times are going to come in the last days. It's a, it's a characteristics of the last days that it's going to be hazardous times. Jesus also predicted the last days. He also gave us some predictions of what the last days were going to look like. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, in verse 3, the disciples came to Jesus and they, they, they said to him, they said to him privately because he had told them that, you know, in just a few days, not one stone's going to be left upon another. And he talked to them about the kingdom coming. And, and they said, and they asked him, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And so they wanted to know a few things. When, when is it that one stone's not going to be left upon another? In other words, when, when's this temple going to fall? Uh, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the end of the age? Tell us these things. And so then Jesus began to give them some signs of the, of the, the end of days. He began to give them some signs. Now look, if you're, uh, if you're theologically minded and you've studied eschatology, you say, what's eschatology? If you, had, if you don't know what it is, then you had not studied it, Okay. <clears throat> But eschatology is the, you know, the doctrine of the last days, doctrine of the end times. And so if you've studied that, you know that there's been an argument raging in the church for forever. And it's, and it's over the rapture. Will the rapture take place before the tribulation? And, and by the way, the rapture means when the, when the saints, when the church are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the argument is, will that take place before the tribulation, during the tribulation, or after the tribulation? And I just have to say that there are great arguments for every one of those things. So this is what I do know. There's nothing that you believe, there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do to affect where that happens. There's nothing you can do to, to affect that. Our responsibility is to live like Jesus told us to live. As a matter of fact, in, in Acts, the first chapter, you know, they, they had the same questions. They were asking, all right, when, when, when's your kingdom going to come? And, and, and Jesus said this. He said, don't be so concerned about the times or the seasons, but know this. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. In other words, look, you need to be cognizant of the time that you're living in. But you, it's, it's more important that you live correctly during your time. And so perilous times. And so Jesus, he gave some signs. And I just want to mention five of them to you. I want to mention five of these signs that, that Jesus talked about. Because I believe that they're very relevant to the day that we're living in right now. So the first sign was this. Jesus said that there would arise many false Christs. 
In other words, many people would rise up and they would say that I am Christ, that I am the, the anointed one. I am the one that you're looking for. In other words, there's going to be many people rise up and say, I am, I am Christ. Come back. I'm him. He said, you're going to have many of those kinds of people. And we've seen it over the decades that, that there's been many people rise up and they proclaim to be Christ, you know, uh, like Muhammad. Uh, and, and so, and then, you know, a friend of mine, they had, they took their kids to camp uh, a few weeks ago. And, and one of the kids, and I'm not trying to be weird, I believe these things happen. But uh, one of the little girls, I think she was nine years old, she, she had a vision while she was at camp. And in this vision, she went to heaven and she went to hell. And so they were questioned about it. And some of the things she was saying, she said, no, a nine-year-old can't really dream this stuff up or speak with it with such eloquence without really having this experience. And so she went to heaven and she saw Jesus and she saw, you know, Paul and saw some of her loved ones. And, and then she went to hell. And uh, so what was hell? She says, it's a horrible place, horrible. And it's hot. It's a, it was a heat that you just can't you, you can't describe, and it's just undescribable heat. And they said, how long were you there? Said, I was there for 100 years, which had only been in a service for about an hour. She said, I was there for 100 years. So it felt like 100 years to her. And they said, well, what did you see? She said, well, I saw, I saw Muhammad. I saw Buddha. I saw, and, and she began to name off all these gods that people worship. She said, but I didn't see Jesus Jesus was in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that awesome? How many of you? And that, that's the truth. And so, uh, but he said, many false Christs were rising. You know, I, I, was, I saw on the news the other day that I think it was the prime minister of Turkey. And, uh, you know, he proclaimed himself as God. And then, and people didn't think he was crazy. Because they had all these people around him, you know, say that, that he's God. And so immediately I called my friend, Joe Morris. I said, did you see this? Because every week he does an end of days update and he puts it on Facebook. You ought to, you ought to see if you can find it because end of days update. And he just goes through things that have happened because things happen every single week that, that are signs that we're drawing close. And I said, did you see that? He, oh, he said, yeah, I saw that. He said, look, he said, the, he said, the Lord told me when you see Turkey, Russia, and Syria align themselves that, that the time is very close. And so now you've got, you got Turkey, Russia, and Syria. They're collaborating together. And what they're going to do is they're going to come in and they're going to attempt to destroy Israel. So when you see them working together, and so you've got this guy, he's saying, I'm God. And people don't think he's crazy. You know, there's been a war. There's been war in the Middle East forever. For, for thousands of years, they've been, war, been warring in the Middle East. In the Middle East. And, I, and there's been peace treaty after peace treaty after peace treaty attempted to be made, and all of it falls through. None of it ever works, and none of it ever will work until the Antichrist comes on the scene. And he's going to have a peace plan that everybody, and, and this guy's going to be so convincing He's going to be so charismatic. He's going to be, I mean, he is going, his likability factor, right now, you know, Trump and Clinton, they have dislikability factors at like 60, 
7%, nobody likes them, but yet one of them's going to be our president. And nobody likes them. But this guy's going to have a likability factor that's off the charts. And people, and people say, he is God. He is Christ. And he's going to come in and he's going to have a peace plan. And people are going to buy into this peace plan. And there's going to be three and a half years of peace in the middle of these. And, and that's unheard of. There's going to be three and a half years of peace. And then all hell is going to break loose. And he's going to be behind it all. And uh, so here's the thing. Jesus said there's going to be many false Christs that arise, but don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. So he said, this is, how you, this is how you're not deceived. He says, as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, and every eye will see him. So when Jesus comes, he's not coming from this earthly realm. He's, he's not going to rise up out of this earthly realm. He is the Lord from heaven, and he's coming from heaven, and every house will see him, and he's coming with power and great glory. So if you want to be saved, you're not looking for somebody to rise up out of here. Let me just say something. We're, we're going to elect a president here in a few months. Now let, me, let me just say this. It doesn't matter who's elected if the church doesn't take her place. If the church doesn't take her place, it is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be rough, and it's probably going to be rough anyway. We got to take our place. We've got to be the light of the world. We've got to be the salt of the earth. We must be. So he, he said these false Christs are going to rise. Don't, and then he said, don't be deceived. That's why it's important that you know your word. That's why it's important that you know your Bible. If you're going to know your Bible, you got to read your Bible. you got to read it. So, I, you know, I encourage everybody, you know, read one chapter a day every single day. It, and we, we got a plan that we do here at the church tomorrow. We'll be reading Colossians chapter 4. So begin there. Don't try to go back and catch it. Just begin in Colossians chapter 4. And in one year, you would have read the whole New Testament. Just reading one chapter a day, Monday through Friday. Then if you miss a day, catch up on the weekend. He said, well, that's not very much. I know, but if you do that over five, ten years, it's what you're, you're getting the most important truths built into your heart. So what about the Old Testament? Read the Old Testament if you want to. I mean, read it. I mean, I read it, but I, I focus on the New Testament, on that new covenant that's established on better promises. Those letters to me, those letters written specifically to the church. Read it, get it on the inside. You need to know the Word of God. And then Jesus, he said this. Here's another sign. He said there would be earthquakes in various places. And I, and I started, studied out this word various, and it means different but unusual places. Earthquake. So if, 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 if you woke up tomorrow morning and there was an earth, earthquake in California, you'd say, yeah, there's always earthquakes in California. Well, I, we always hear about earthquakes in California. But if, if you wake up and there was a 5.9 earthquake in Oklahoma, you go, wow. And then you hear there's an earthquake in Madison, Mississippi. Then you go, oh, that's unusual. That's what he said. There's going, to be this, there's going to be this increase in seismic activity in various and unusual places. 
Why? Because the lease on this earth is coming to an end. We're coming up, you know, the, the ending of six days or 6,000 years of human history, right? And then this, the earth lease is going to expire, and this place is going to be renovated. It's going to be renovated. And so uh, we're, we're coming up on that. So he said there's going to be this seismic activity in unusual places. I mean, just last week, 5.9 earthquake in Oklahoma, right? And so uh, so you're, you're scaring me. Well, just hang on. We're, we're, we're going to leave you in faith today. You, you're going to depart from here in faith and joy. Because the Lord didn't reveal these things to us to, to make us afraid. It's to give us hope and say, man, this thing's almost done. The next one is this. He said, uh, Jesus said, many will be offended. Do we live in offended society or what? I mean, everybody's offended. Everybody's offended about anything, about everything, just offended. And, and Jesus said, this is, a, this is a sign of the last days that many will be offended. And are, are people offended about Jesus? Uh, is, it, is there anybody offended about Jesus, about, about God? I mean, you can mention any religion, you can mention any, anything, and people will celebrate it. But if you mention Jesus, people, they'll, they'll just, man, they'll, they'll get their rear end all up on their shoulders, and, and uh, they'll just get upset. Many will be offended. Jesus said lawlessness will abound. And let me just tell you what's coming. And I know this by the Holy Spirit, that we're about to see worldwide anarchy. I mean, all over the world, we're going, we're going to see anarchy all over the world. And it's just a sign of the times that we're living in. It's a sign. Worldwide anarchy. I mean, just a lawlessness. Unbridled lawlessness. Jesus said it's a sign of the time. And then there's, there's another sign. Jesus said that men's heart will fail them for fear of those things that are coming up on the earth. People are going to begin to see these things and they're going to be so afraid that their hearts will begin to fail just because of the fear of what's coming and the fear of what's going on on the earth. But for the church, Jesus didn't tell us all these things. The Holy Spirit didn't reveal these things to us so that we would be afraid, but so that we would have a faith response right in the midst of the peril, right in the midst of the danger, right in the midst of the turmoil, right in the, the midst of all the havoc that's going to break loose on the earth, that we're not running and hiding in a cave somewhere, but we're people of faith. We're people of faith, and we're we are his representatives, and we're the light of the world, and we're the salt of the earth. So he said, men's hearts will fail them for fear. But God doesn't want you to leave afraid today. And he doesn't want you to be struck with fear and dread and terror when you see things coming up on the earth. And you will see it. You will see it. And you will see it soon. 
And so when you see it, you're going to flash back to this and say, but I'm not to be afraid. I'm not to be afraid. I refuse to be afraid. And then you stand up in faith. And then you do the next part of what we're about to talk about, all right? So in, in 1 John, the fourth chapter, verse 16, I want to talk to you about the love of God and how much God loves you. And because he loves you, what he will do for you. That sound good to everybody? I'm talking about when, when all hell is breaking loose on the earth, you need to know this, God loves me. And because he loves me, this is what he will do for me. So in 1 John, the fourth chapter, verse 16, he says, And we have known and believed. Everybody say, I know and I believe. The love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. We have known and we have believed. Do you believe that God loves you? I mean, if you were just to walk out of here today, and the only thing that you got out of this message today is that God loves me. And let me just say something about the love of God. God's love for you is not dependent upon you. God's love for you is not based on your performance. God's love for you is not based upon what you have done or what you have not done. God's love for you is based upon God's love for you apart from your actions, apart from your performance, apart from what you've done or what you haven't done. And there's not one thing that you could do this morning to cause him to love you more than he loves you right now. And there's not one thing that you have done in the past that will cause him to love you less than he's ever loved you. And here's something that will just shock you and it'll blow your mind. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. So how can you say that? Because John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave the very best thing he had. He gave the thing that he loved the most to win a world that he loved equally. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. He gave the most valuable thing he had, the thing that he loved the most, to win back and get back the thing and the people he loved equally. Isn't that good? He loves us. We have known and we believe that the love, of, that love God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. Everybody say, I want to live in his love. That's not me loving you. Although that's good. That's you and I living in his love for us. Knowing and believing the love he has for us. The Bible says that faith works by love. That's not me loving you. That's me understanding that he loves me. That's what's going to cause my faith to work when I know how much he loves me. Faith will just rise up in me effortlessly. When I know how much he loves me, it's going to, ask, it's going to answer a thousand questions in my life. Will God heal me? Ask yourself, does he love me? Yes, if he loves me, he'll heal me. Will God provide for me? Yes, if he loves me, he'll provide for me. Will God protect me? Yes, if he loves me, he'll protect me. Will he lead me? Will he guide me? Yes, he loves me. For we've known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And look at verse 16. 
Look at verse, six, verse 18. He says, there is no fear in this love. When you know and believe the love God has for you, guess what? There's no fear in this. There's no fear. There's no, there's no fear. There's no terror in this. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, they, they, haven't, they don't have this full understanding. They don't have this grasp how much God loves them. When you know and you believe that God loves you, there will be no more fear in your life. There will be no more fear. You can live your life without fear. Fear of accidents, fear of death. Fear of something bad happening. You can live your life completely void of fear. When you know and you believe that God loves you. Everybody say, I know it. I, know it. I choose to believe I choose. that God loves me. God loves now here, this is, where, this is where people get stumped up. And I'm going to say it again because this is, I, I know this is where the devil tries to trip you up on this. That you think that God's love for you has to do with how you love him. It doesn't. It has nothing to do with how you love him. If you do love him, you only loved him because he first loved you. So your response of love to God is just because you have an understanding of how much he loves you. And the degree that you love God has nothing to do, nothing to do with the degree which he loves you. Does God love us? Yeah, he said, I love you with an everlasting love. Matter of fact, he loves you so much, the book of Revelation says that he is going to cause those of the synagogue of Satan to come and bow down before you, and he's going to show them how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. Everybody say, he loves me. It wouldn't hurt you to say that a hundred times a day. God loves me. God loves me. He loves me. God loves me. And there's nothing I can do that would make him love me more. And there's nothing I've done that would make him love me less. That is the gospel. That is the good news. He loves us. And is there any fear in this love? Should, should we fear anything when we're abiding in this love? No. He loves us. He loves us. And because he loves us, when all this hell is breaking loose on the earth, because we know that he loves us, because we understand that he loves us, because we believe that he loves us, man, we're just going to have this confidence that we don't have to live in a cave somewhere. We don't have to have 16 deadbolt locks on our house and a cache of weapons. <laughs> Why? Because he is going to take care of us. He is going to take care of us. He is going to protect us. Turn with me if you would to Psalm 91. Now this is what I know about Psalm 91. Y'all have got it crocheted and hung on your wall somewhere. At least that first verse. And that's fine, but it's more important that it be in your heart 
It'd be something alive in you and not just on your wall. It, it needs to be, it just needs to flow out of you in confidence. So note in Psalm 91, let me get there. And I just want us to, to notice this. Everybody doing good? The church is about to enter into our greatest days. It's going to be the brightest because it's going to get so dark. I don't like all this negativity. Well, I'm not trying to be negative, but this way it's going to be. Jesus, I mean, perilous times are coming. Evil men and seducers are going to get worse and worse in these last days. So in Psalm 91, notice how it starts. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So he's talking about somebody who's dwelling. He that abides in the secret place of the Most High. He's talking about a relationship. He's talking about a life that's lived close to God. Have I told you lately? That you need to have a tight relationship with Christ? Have I told you lately that you need to walk close to God? And the only way that you can live a life close to God is you have to spend time with God. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. You have to spend time in prayer. I don't mean an hour a day. I just mean some time every day. You must spend some time with God. If you want to get close to God, you spend time with Him. So he said, he who dwells, he who lives in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Man, that sounds like a good place of protection to me. That, looks like, that, that sounds like a place of protection from all the evil that's in the world. And then notice what he says. He, he goes on to say this. And this is David. He said, I will say, I will say. Is it important what you say? You know what a lot of people say? I'm so afraid. I'm so scared. I just don't know what's going to happen. What is this world coming to? What, you know, what are we going to do? What about my children? That's what a lot of people are saying. But notice what David said. He said, I will say of the Lord. Is it important what you say? Yeah, life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's important what you say. What you say is a reflection of what you believe. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth leaks. And whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And that is a sure sign of what you're believing and meditating on. He said, I will say of the Lord. What's he going to say about the Lord? So I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God. In him, I will trust. No, 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 see, refuge, fortress. He goes on, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. What's he going to do? He's going to deliver you. And from the perilous. We've already seen that word perilous, right? And the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror 
by night. You shall not be afraid. Should you be afraid? No. You shall not be afraid by the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, or the bullets that fly by day. Right? Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So he said, of all these things, you should not be afraid. Yeah, but Pastor Chuck, I, I, I kind of am afraid. I kind of am afraid. All this bad stuff. He said, you shall not be afraid. And then notice what he goes on to say. Though a thousand fall down at your side. I mean, on one side, you got a thousand that fall. And on the other side of you, 10,000 fall. Now, you might be tempted to be afraid right then, right? You see a 1,000 fall on one side and 10,000 on another side. You may be tempted to be a little bit afraid and a little bit concerned. But he said, though a 1,000 fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, what did he say? It won't come near you. It's not going to come near you. Now, you've got to believe this. You've got to believe it. It's not just... It's not just having heard the verse before. It's you believing this. And some Christians are so confused. So confused about God. So confused about the goodness of God. Thinking God has evil tricks up his sleeve and that he uses evil to kind of lure people in and, and get people's attention and, and some you know, bad things happen to good people and God's behind it all and somehow he's just trying to teach us something. God has nothing to do with bad. He has nothing to do with evil. So a thousand is going to fall at one side, ten thousand at the other side, but it's not going to come near you. Only with your eyes, verse 8, you will look and see the reward of the wicked. Well, you're not wicked, are you? So that's not going to be your reward. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil, no bad will befall you. Yeah, but Pastor Chuck, you just can't ever tell. You just, you just can't ever tell what the Lord would do. And you know, when it comes your time to go, you're going to just go, you know, I could just spit right now. That, 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 those statements bother me more than anything. When it comes your time to go, you're just going to go. And you just never know when it's going to be your time. Really? You need to read your Bible. He said, that evil's not going to come near you. How many of you are thankful? Yes. Well, Pastor Chuck, I know there's been some bad things that happened to good people. Yeah. But you know the Lord will, he'll try to get your attention. I, I, was, I was watching this documentary the other day of 9-11. And people who woke up that morning and did not go to work, who did not get on an airplane. And although none of them, I, I didn't hear any of them say, the Holy Spirit led, led me not to do it. I didn't hear anybody say that. 
I heard multitudes say, you know, I woke up that morning and just something didn't seem right. Something didn't seem right, and so I just decided not to go in. Something just didn't seem right, and they said, something just told me. You hear Christians say that? Quit saying that. Ain't something telling you. It's someone. Someone. Not something. The Holy Spirit's not a something. The Holy Spirit is someone. He's a person. He's got personality. He's got will. He's got emotion. Someone. says something just told me, and I didn't go. And then I started thinking, I wonder how many more people had something or someone or something that didn't seem right and they went ahead and went anyway why didn't the Lord just say it louder I don't know I'm not God but I know this he will lead you and he will guide you why didn't he give him a vision I don't know I'm not God he didn't tell you he would give you a vision but he did tell you that he would lead you by his spirit And so you can claim God's protection, but you can't separate that from being led by His Spirit. And man, people are led by all kinds of things. They're led by convenience. They're led by the clock. They're led by money. They're led by by all kinds of things, but none of that is being led by the Spirit necessarily. So we got to be led by the Spirit. So I don't know how. Well, you better find out how. If you hang around here long enough, we'll teach you how. And there's nothing more important to your life than learning how to hear from God and then doing what God says. There's nothing more important. So, got to hurry. So, you're going to see the... Only with your eyes you'll see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Well, I'm afraid of that Zika. You're afraid of mosquito? He said he'll give his angels. Oh, man. Y'all, angels are real. They're real. They're present. They're active. Even if you can't see them, they're real. You remember when the, the Elijah and, or was it Elijah and Elisha, they were up there, and, and uh, man, the, they had an army closing in, and I think it was Elijah's protege, and, and he, he was a little bit afraid. So, oh, we're outnumbered. And, and the prophet prayed. He said, open, open the boy's eyes so he can see. And he opened his eyes, and surrounding them was not just that army, but there was chariots of fire and angels all around. He said, there's more with us than there is against us. And you need to know there's more with us and more for us than that's against us. So he said, I'll give my angels charge over you and they'll 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 just they'll lift you up in in their hands man we you know tammy and i've had experience a couple of times in the car where 
One time we were driving down Big Creek Road and it was raining and we're one of those roads come, come out on Big Creek. I forget which road it is, but it was raining and the car's coming and they hit their brakes and I mean, they are flying and we're going, I mean, we're going to intersect right time. They're going to just hit us broadside and God is my witness. That car just stopped just like that. They, I mean, it was slight, it was sliding and then it just, boom, it just stopped. There's more with us than that's against us. He'll give his angels charge. Do you believe that? If you believe it, start saying it. Say it every day. He gives his angels charge over me. Say it over your kids. He gives his angels charge. I'm not going to be afraid. They got angels. If you don't believe this, it's not going to do you any good. So. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and leave him in it. No. What is it? He said he'll deliver us. He'll be with you in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Well, it's not long life. You get killed. With long life, I will satisfy him, and I'll show him my salvation. We are not to live in fear. In these last days, our response is to be a response of just believing that God loves us and a response of faith that we don't have to go hide somewhere. We can stand up straight. We can stand up for God. We can be his voice. We can be his hands. We can be his feet. We can be his representative in this earth that's absolutely gone mad. Yeah. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for faith being stirred up in our heart to live this life victorious and as overcomers and as winners. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here who's never made Jesus the Lord of their life, I thank you that you're speaking to them right now and that you're drawing them to yourself. In the name of Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here this morning, and you've never given Jesus your whole heart and your whole life. Now, if you have, you know that. If you haven't, you know that. If you haven't, I mean, the, the Lord, he's just knocking on the door of your heart right now. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I'll begin a relationship with him. God doesn't want you to have religion. He doesn't want you to get religious. He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you've never given Jesus your whole heart and your whole life, I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, all you have to do is lift your hand. We'll pray for you. So I'm going to just count to three. And if that's you and you want to be included in that prayer, you just lift your hand when I count to three. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now. Thank you. See your hands. I'm looking across the room. Good, good. Well, Father, we give you thanks and praise. We worship you. And Lord, we thank you that you're working in the life of each and every person. We thank you that you're drawing each and every person into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.